Welcome to Big Girl Poker Chat, hosted by Donna Blevins, the big girl of poker at six feet five inches tall. This is not your average poker podcast. Donna and her guests talk about poker in a way you've never heard before. Listen in and learn about how to play the game and how to win at life. Find show notes for this show and more great content on the blog at biggirlpoker.com. And now, Donna Blevins. Well, hello, this is Donna Blevins, your poker mindset coach, and this is Donna's Poker Chats. And today I am thrilled to have with me Oklahoma Johnny Hale. Johnny, thank you for coming on with me. You are the elder statesman of poker. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm getting some age on me. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm really excited about having you on today because I believe that there's a lot of wisdom to be learned from you because you've probably forgotten more than a lot of people will ever know about the game of poker, Jody. Well, there's some things I try to forget, but they keep popping back up. <laughs> I'm 80, I'm 85 years old um, today as we speak, four times 21 plus one. So I've been around a, a lot of poker games and a lot of rooms, and but actually I'm not a professional player. I'm a retired retired civil engineer with uh, an entrepreneur with uh, created several companies when I was active in business and retired in. 75. I'm a graduate of the University of Oklahoma uh, uh, as a graduate civil engineer, so I practiced my um, engineering and construction and development before I retired, but I've played poker all my life, especially in the Navy during World War II. I'm 85 and counting. Well, well, now that's interesting that you should talk about being an engineer. I oftentimes talk about in my coaching how our how our our life's work, our careers, what, our day job, as it were, affects our poker game. Tell me how you believe your poker game was was a reflection of what you did in life as an engineer. Well, I had a a, a major in college of a of a traffic engineer designing bridges and all of those uh, types of uh, um, environmental things as sewage treatment plants, water treatment plants, and all kinds of structural buildings, that type of thing. But I had a minor in mathematics, which took me through uh, several uh, layers of mathematics. And uh, it helps me a little bit in the the playing of poker to know the odds uh, almost automatically uh, of what the probabilities are, possibilities of uh, the hand I'm holding being successful, but most of it now uh, in the younger days I used to fly the airplane by the seat of my pants, but uh, now I could use the instruments and I could compute the exact odds on any hand, but uh, really um, I don't use that very much because I like to enjoy the game and relax and I don't play poker for money much anymore. I play it to enjoy the uh, intercourse with the different uh, personalities and people. Poker players are the best people in the world, and uh, I love to be with them at the table. Well, and I agree with you 100. percent. I, I love to be at the poker at the poker table. It is it, a lot of fun to be there, but I've always said it's a whole lot more fun to win. That's for sure. Well, of course, the money, we, that's the way we keep score. And uh, 
I'll just say hurriedly without bragging too much, I don't want to get even. <laughs> if, if I did, I'd have to empty out several banks and uh, <laughs> and be less less uh, less off than I am if I got even. So poker has been good to me over over the years, and I have, I have several marks in the sand. I've created several uh, first and onlys. Um, if you want me to brag a little bit, well, I sure, can. Sure, brag, please, brag. I'd like for you to brag. Well, first of all, um, one of the honors I have is if you've probably heard of Will Rogers in Oklahoma. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I'm in the same club as Will Rogers in that the state of Oklahoma has honored me by act of the legislature to be one of its favorite sons. And this uh, honor was granted to me uh, for multiple reasons, and one of them was because of the numbers of jobs that I created while I was in business in Oklahoma, as well as my civic and charity activities. And also, they did mention poker um, in the citation because I hold the first best all-round gold bracelet from the World Series of Poker, which was given to me by the old patriot Benny Binion himself. I met Benny in, a, in the young 60s in a snowstorm in Colorado. We were snowed in at Mile High Stapleton Airport, and we couldn't fly anywhere. So we got kind of acquainted, and he invited me down to his little club. In 1980, I won the Best All-Round Player Award bracelet, which uh, was given to me by Benny himself. Uh, no one remembers who finished second to Stu Unger, but most people remember Stu Unger. Mm-hmm. In 1980 was the first time he won it, and I, I finished fourth to him. Uh, nobody even remembers who finished second, <laughs> but those of us that were at the table remember. And they made movies out of a, out of Stu, but uh, he's reported also to be one of the best Gen Rummy players in the world, but I did, I did defeat him in Gen Rummy tournament, but I could never beat him in the poker tournament because he was... Well, he'd bet you more money than it was poker to call. Okay, so he really put you to a point where where it didn't make good sense, good odds for you to call. He he really played the power. Is that what you're telling me? Well, he was a power player, but of course I am too. So I'd try to take it away from him. And here we are 30-odd years later, and I can remember every card that I played with him in the $5,000 stud uh, tournament in the World Series of Poker. Uh, I can remember each card, and I uh, I had him uh, down and locked. He had to draw inside the last two cards, not the last one, but the last two. So uh, luck is an important part of it, but when luck and skill meet, you've got a formidable opponent. And then when luck and skill and, and courage uh, blend themselves together, you've got an opponent that I'd just rather not play with. <laughs> well, tell me more about tell me more about Benny Binion. Benny Binion was a uh, original uh, entrepreneur, poker, he, poker uh, promoter, he and casino promoter. He came out of Texas and the and the illegal joints down there in uh, Louisiana and Texas, and unfortunately he he, uh, he shot a few people and he had to leave. Uh, leave those illegal uh, activities in Louisiana and Texas to come to Nevada where it was uh, legal. And uh, he's told me many stories as we visited, and one of them I recall was when they sent him to prison for stealing cattle up on his ranch. Mm 
Uh-huh. Uh, he he told me he'd put a million dollars in each one of his boots so he could just uh, enjoy the comforts of home while he was uh, taking a vacation. Um, <laughs> also, he told me that uh, he had to win the money twice in his casinos because it was stolen from him by his employees the first time. But he didn't have any trouble winning it twice. And then one of the things that Benny was good at was uh, entertaining his uh, his clientele. He would um, go around the casino with a uh, bucket of uh, silver dollars and uh, throw the uh, silver dollars into the trays of the of his slot machine players, and then he'd drift by the blackjack table and and tell the dealer to pay everybody twice. He didn't have any trouble winning the money back. He just wanted to, wanted the folks to be comfortable, and and so. But now the bean counters. Uh, they don't do that anymore. But uh, back in the early days, Benny was one of the original. Uh, you would have you would have enjoyed Benny. He, he would make you he would make you glad you were there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had the the great fortune of of coming in contact quite a bit with Jack, but not not Benny. And um, tell me tell me what tell me experiences you've had with Jack Benyon. Oh yes, I've. Uh, I've known Jack's uh, in the same numbers of years. Uh, Jack was more of a businessman, more of a uh, casino uh, business person than his father, um, and he created the uh, uh, the brand of um, and had a great fight with his sister Becky mm-hmm. over over the old horseshoe. And and yes, I know the whole family and the grandson of Benny and. Uh, I could talk for hours about the family, but the best thing I could say is uh, they were they were poker people, and Jack Binion uh, is now a billionaire plus because of his sale of the, um, the Mississippi uh, River gambling boats that he promoted and come out of the horseshoe and left Becky with the hull here in Las Vegas. Well, you know, the the Horseshoe Casino in Tunica, Mississippi, which is the one you're talking about, is where I first met Benny in 1999. And uh-huh. actually in 1998, it was it was the first time I ever played in a real in a real card room before I was playing in in these pretend card rooms in Florida when they were playing 25 cent 50 cent poker and the pot froze at $10 and you know that's not poker. Um, but that's how I first first learned to play. And well, my husband, kitchen table fun poker. Ca- kitchen table fun poker. There you go. But I was really serious about the game, and my husband took me to the Horseshoe in Tunica, Mississippi, because he loved the Horseshoe. He was from the West, and and he loved the Horseshoe in in Las Vegas, and and he wanted to show me what Benny Binion had had put together, and that was very exciting. And I met Benny uh, probably on the second trip. I think probably. I went there first in 1990. I think I met him in 1999, and he was always around. He he knew how to take care of poker players, and unfortunately today, the card rooms don't take care of players like they did back then. But oh, they uh, they untake care of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They want they want all the money, and they yeah. and they make all the rules to fit their convenience. Um, Actually, I'm a strong advocate, but I'm a little bit old to do this. But poker should be taken out of the casinos, and we should have our own conventions. They should not have the poker tournaments in in the casinos. It should be like the golf tournaments that, that are held. And uh, instead of having a poker tournament inside the casino, we should have our own conventions. 
and thereby uh, the house gets a major portion of the money. For example, uh, in my marks in the sand and poker, I hold some other um, other marks. Another one is that I'm the only person to ever play at the final table in two large events at the same time. Uh, I did this at the um, at the Golden Nugget when um, Bobby Baldwin was uh, was there, uh, president of that hotel. Um, the next thing I created was the the Seniors World Championship. Oh, now, come on. now I'm not going to let you get away from that. We're going to talk about that again. Let's go back to the only person who ever played at the final table in two events at one time. <laughs> okay, I want to go back to that. Don't 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 gloss over that. Tell me more about that. Well, we were having a um, uh, they were having what they call the Grand Prix of poker at the Golden Nugget, which was a which was by uh, Steve Wynn and um, and Bobby Baldwin uh, created that event uh, along with some other folks that names escape me right now. But it was a wonderful tournament where they gave away a big launch boat uh, worth uh, several hundred thousand dollars, and it was first class all the way. Uh, for this, uh, for this uh, Ripley's, uh, believe it or not, event, they gave me a large uh, a golden trophy, which I'm very proud of, uh, signifying the first player to ever play at two final tables at the same time. What happened was I was involved in one game of, uh, of uh, California lowball, and I was at the moving along in it, but we closed it down for the night. And these boys from uh, Europe came over and wanted to play some European stud. It's a strip deck game where they take all the little cards out of the game, and you play with a deck of 36. So Eric Drake, uh, the promoter at that time, wanted me to play with these fellows from Europe. Uh, so I said, I can't play with them, uh, Eric. I'm already going to be at the final table in the southern end. He said, well, hell, you'll get knocked out anyway. They'll, they'll bust you pretty quick. <laughs> I said, no, I'll, I'll play with them. So uh, I did, and uh, we got to the, uh, the shutdown of that event that night, and the, and they wanted to wait till I got knocked out of the uh, of the um, California lowball tournament. But I was there like a teddy bear, and I never they never could knock me out. So what they did, they these boys from Europe wanted to start their game back up, so they put the tables back to back. And I'd sit in the eight seat on one table and the two seat on the other, and I'd turn around and play one hand at one one final table and the other at the other one. Uh, the oddity of it, Donna, Donna was that uh, the European strip stud uh, deck didn't have the little cards in it. And in the California low ball, I was looking for the little cards. So, it wasn't, <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I managed to finish uh, high in both of them, second or third, in one and the third or fourth in the other one, and it was fun. Uh, it, it made the Ripley's believe it or not uh, that a, that a poker player could play at two final tables at the same time. I love that. Well, tell me about this European stud. I've never I've never heard about that. Tell me a little bit more about that game. It's a strip deck game. It's a stud game right. where they take where they take all the cards out to. Uh, it's been so long, but I think it's all the way down to the sevens. The uh, twos, threes, fours, five, sixes, and sevens were all gone. Okay. And, you, and uh, you can make an odd straight by 
by using a, a seven, I believe, or something of that nature. And except for that, it played exactly like uh, like five card stud. Okay. Except you didn't have the little cards in it. The game is a, an old game that I doubt if you'll ever see it again. But that was the one time it was held in what was called the Grand Prix of Poker. Uh, I um, uh, I'm pretty lucky, and uh, uh, back to the math of math of the situations, I uh, I pretty well can tell the uh, tell the odds automatically, but I can go back and mathematically uh, determine the number of outs and the percentage of doing that. But you don't have time for all that. You just uh, your head as a poker player is an automatic computer. The odds are there. You don't have to research, you don't have to research them after you played sixty or seventy years. Then the next honor I did, I won the United States Navy when I was in, during World War Two. Uh, all we did was uh, play uh, as I was fighting a battle of Long Beach out in California, up and down the coast there, where the movie stars would come to the canteen. And I was uh, I was seventeen years old, and at that time uh, I wasn't a bad looking lad. If you've seen my book, but now uh-huh. I'm a uh, I'm, I'm kind of got some age on me at 85, but I can still hear the music, Don. I just can't make the dance floors off. <laughs> so tell me about the U.S. Navy. Uh, what you did in the U.S. Navy with you won a um, an event there? No, I, I, all the money on the on the ship and on the base, we'd gather up and play poker, um, and I would win all the money that was on the ship. Then I'd have to loan it back. <laughs> uh, so that there would be a game and it would be kind of payday poker, and I kept books on all of them. I could tell you stories that would last two or three hours, but I'll quickly tell you one. I won all the money from the boys, and we were, we had been at sea for about six weeks, and our hair was kind of kinky, and we made port in Sasebo, Japan. And I had all the money, so I had to put put on the party. So we went to one of these little tea houses, and there's only three things you can do in Japan uh, you can sightsee, and it was dark, so you couldn't see. Uh, you could play with the Japanese girls, uh, but I was a young married man with a baby at home, and I wasn't interested in catching a Hungarian lowball, so I didn't want to play with the girls. So we went to the tea, and they taught me how to drink how to drink this Japanese sake. It was cold and a little low low lowball table, and I, I took on more. Of this um, sake than I should, and I had all my whites. If you can imagine this, this was back in the days when they had the cobblestone streets and the sewage run down the side of the streets in the ditches, and I was staggering along there, and I fell into one of those <coughs> ditches, and um, uh, I made a covenant with the good Lord if He didn't if He didn't drown me in that manure, I wouldn't get drunk again. So that was my last time to get drunk. Was that really the last time you got drunk? Yes. Oh, I'll still take a little wine or a little champagne now, or something good for your heart. But, but no, no drinking and uh, and me don't get along. I, I can't stand the taste of it, and the smell is not good. So why do you mess with something that don't taste good or don't smell good and make you and make you crazy? Well, you know, I always like to say that Donna's poker chats are always. You know they're they're intimate and uh, and we don't rehearse them and and this is exciting for me because I've not heard these stories before and and I've read your book uh, let's see now it's called the I've read it it's called the gentleman the 
gentleman, gentleman gambler. gambler. That's right. I've read your book. I have it on the counter. Uh, um, and I've read it. It's been quite a few years that I've read it. But Gentleman Gambler, and uh, I want everybody to get it. It's fun, and the stories are fun. And I think it's really cute. Uh, let me read a little bit that came off of one of your websites, uh, okjohnny.com. It was, take it from a gambler who's been playing high-stakes poker in Las Vegas for more than three decades. Not all the shows are on stage. The bad boys, the better boys, the brash, the brave, and the brilliant all have their debuts and debacles on the neon stage of Sin City playing their roles of hero and villain. I love that. That is so fun. Did you write that? (laughs) Yes, yes, ma'am, I did. I dictated it to a a young lady that did all of the beautiful um, typing and words and all that, but I, I taped into, uh, I dictated into a tape recorder. That was over 10 years ago that I wrote that book, and it's been stolen from me. Uh, the um, intellectual properties are not protected in Europe, and I was hosting events in Europe at the Aviation Club on the Champs-Élysées there in Paris. I've been I there. Went, to one, went to one of those Internet clubs. Uh, there and I looked up and there was my book in Spanish and another place it was in German and uh, they steal it and they rewrite it so the book is all over the world and I'm very proud of it but I have I have updated it and I've got a new issue coming out back by popular demand because that's out of print now and uh, uh, it's been reprinted four or five times but now I've upgraded it and and it's coming back out now and if you um, in a few weeks, I was talking to my, my publisher yesterday or day before, and we've got it on target for release sometime later this year. I've got another book that's coming out called um, uh, The Senior's Yearbook, where I um, have all of the pictures and records of 25 years of seniors tournaments that I've held in 25 different casinos. He's talking about Mississippi River boats. I also had... Uh, I had the events down there in the Grand and in those in those hotels back in my youth, and I also played some uh, television matches with MoneyMaker down on the Mississippi. Uh, we had a uh, it was a market for a hundred miles either side of the Mississippi. It wasn't for world world uh, release, but uh, we had a lot of fun making those uh, those films with MoneyMaker down there on the Mississippi. Well, now uh, when did you when did you do it with Chris MoneyMaker on the Mississippi? Yeah, we we made the the, the movies of uh, of uh, uh, poker on the Mississippi. Uh, well, well I have I have not seen that. I would love to see that. Well, well, uh, I can send you some pictures of it. I, unfortunately, I don't have any any um, any audio, but I've got pictures of it, and we had a lot of fun. Moneymaker, I met his father, and uh, we had a good time, and and the pretty girls were there. And I could still hear the music back in those days. <laughs> well, now tell me, you know, how has we, we we all know how poker has changed over the years? But from your perspective, how has poker changed from way back when you started to now? What what's your big picture view of it? Well, unfortunately, Donna, it's regrettable that the kids nowadays haven't been tested by the fires of life and they they haven't gone to cotillion and and learned good manners uh the old poker players of the old school uh were were they were crooks and they were cheaters and all of those kinds were mixed in but there was a, um, a gentlemanly 
part of the game that has been lost by the foolish antics of the of the of the children. Uh, we think maybe when they get a little older, when Phil gets a little more gray on the hair, on the head, maybe Phil will settle down and and change his antics a bit. Uh, so I regret that part of it changing. Unfortunately, other things have changed here in Las Vegas, and the uh, the casinos uh, are too greedy. Uh, in the poker tournaments, they they make it um, make it impossible to to compete with the odds. Uh, I won't name any casinos, but most of them take about a third of all the money that comes into the tournament. Thereby, the casinos will keep. All of the money out of one tournament out of three and leave the other two tournaments for the players to scrabble over. So there's, there is no way that the tournament junkies can, can really survive unless they happen to be, uh, on the team. And to be on the team is meaning that uh, there will be 15 or 20 of them that will be uh, playing out of the same pocket, and they will help each other in, 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 in a lot of times. It don't happen all the time, Donna. I, I, I may sound like to your audience that, uh, that I don't trust poker players, but I do. I think they're a better brand of people than doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, or politicians. I'd rather be with one of them than... Uh, than in a lawyer's office or a doctor's office, either one. Uh, so the poker players are, are the most honorable group of people that I've ever been with. But unfortunately, as uh, as the old patriot of the game, Johnny Moss said, he would do anything for the money. Back in the old crossroaders, whenever they were fading the white line um, and, and hustling games, uh, they would they would do anything to get the money. Well, now, John, what do you think has changed for the positive in poker? The positive has changed is we've, we've got the Internet poker, which has got a real live chance to have to, to, to clean itself up and, 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 and be uh, uh, for us old folks. I've got one here in front of me now on the television in their room and a computer all over, and I've got a half a dozen sites where I can go play penny poker. Uh, so the not for profit but for enjoyment. If you take the word, the World Series of Poker changed its name the other day to Entertainment, Caesar's Entertainment. All there is in poker now for 99% of the people is entertainment. There is no possibility uh, in low-limit poker. No one can beat the game anymore except the very few who are grinders that will squeeze out a few dollars. But the house takes all of the takes all the money. For example, you, in a, I won't name the club again, but most of them are all the same. You any one dollar and two dollar in a one-two no limit game, and and they gather up uh, eight or nine or ten dollars. If they gather up ten dollars, they put one dollar in the in the jackpot hole, and they put another dollar in their drop hole. Leave eight dollars out there. They take twenty percent out of the pot. Nobody plays well enough to overcome that. Uh, so the house, the house knows that the people just love to play, and the, they go to the games. And I know you're different, but uh, I recognize it every day that uh, 
99% of the people don't expect to win. They just want to be socializing and go where the game is and have the fun with the players. Well, I know that's what what you're talking about is beating the rake, and that's very important. And that's one of the reasons why it's important for people to play smart poker and, and know know about the odds because you have to play smart poker to beat to beat to beat the game. But it's very difficult to beat the game at those very low limits. You know, we all know that because you you it's can't possible unless yeah, you, unless, as I say, you're a grinder and you want to grind out just a few dollars and you get ten or fifteen, twenty or forty dollars a hit, you have to quit. But if you, because if you continue to play, it's going back down the hole. Sure. What do you believe poker players must do to keep up with the changes in the game today? Well, uh, I called him the Chinaman, Johnny Chan. Mm-hmm. I remember one of his quotes to me. Incidentally, he used to be a busboy at the old Stardust. And uh, he's a very rich man now and has won many tournaments, including the World Series of Poker. But Johnny told me, you must never quit learning. You must never quit learning. Uh, now, here's I'll give a little secret to your people that are that are listening in. One of the most important things when you go to the poker table is to rate your table. Rate your table one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or however many players there are there. Give yourself an honest rating. If you're if you're number one, uh, somebody else is number two, somebody else is number three. Uh, it's kind of like football or any sports, and you go to the sports book and they'll give them points, like the, um, uh, they'll give them eight or ten points to start with in a football game. Sure. Points, uh, same way with a poker game, they're better players than others. Okay, so, so, so let's talk about rating your table. So when you, you sit rate, down at the table, you're going to rate each person at the table one through ten. That's right. Now, if, okay. you, find, if you give yourself an honest rating... And, and you're in the top three or the top four, you're going to get the money. The other six, seven, eight, and nine players are going to lose. So what you do is you play like porcupines make love. When you're up against the two and three player, when you're up against the eight and nine player, you go ahead and turn it loose and play with him because he's going to lose. Um, he, he can't win. He may win a pot or two from you, but he, he don't know he, he don't know how to play well enough to overcome it. So what you do is you avoid playing with the good players. You play with the weak players. You look and now how do you rate the table? You rate it first by sitting down, looking at them. Uh, learn to be an evaluator of the profiler of the of the players, and you can if you if you look at them, you can pick winners and losers. Now, if you can't do it any other way, you look at the pile of their stack. If they happen to be going in their bill for, for more money, they're a loser. So you mark him as an eight or nine player. And you play with him if you can. Now, the other fellow over there that's stacking up one and two stacks of chips every now and then with a big stack of chips, he's, he's, he's got to be one, two, or three, or he's awful lucky that day. Either way, you don't want to play with him. What you want to do with that player that's going broke and reaching his pocket for more money? So you, it's kind of like when you were in college, Donna. You spot your prof by listening very carefully to what he says, and that's what's going to be on the test. You look at the poker player and you see what he's got in front of him. If he's got lots of chips, you want to you want to leave him alone. If he's got a little bit of chips, you want to you want to make your life miserable and beat him. 
Okay, so, so if, if you sit down at a table and you're not one of the top three or four players, then tell the people what you need to do. If you find yourself to be seven or eight, get up and run. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know what, this is This is what I tell them. That I, ta- I teach my coaching clients uh, mind shift exercises. And one of these, and, and you combine body and mind together. And what you do is when you find yourself in that you're not the three or four, you're eight or nine, you put your feet flat on the on the floor, you put your hands on either side of your legs on the top of the chair, you push up, get your ass out of that seat, and run like hell. That's what I say. So <laughs> you say, well, you look at him and you see if he's got any cow manure on his feet. Uh, you see if he's wearing a clean shirt or dirty shirt. If he's, uh, You evaluate people. And poker is a people business. You've got to learn to evaluate your customer. And you've got to entertain him. You've got to make him want to play with poker with you. Of that gift, people want to play poker with me. They want to. They want to be in the pot with me because I will say something silly like uh, uh, comes off the wall. I'll say something. Well, uh, I'm going to show you. A, I'm going to show you a white blackbird. Did you ever see a white blackbird, Donna? No. They haven't either. And they don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but they want to talk with me. And you can perceive by our conversation here, I don't have any shortage of words. I can shift gears and talk about, uh, I can talk with kings and presidents, or I can talk with peons. Uh, so uh, at the poker table, I make it fun to play with me. You don't want to ever insult a player. You don't want to make him mad at you. Make him love you. Now, if he loves to play poker, he don't mind giving you his money. I've had people say to me, uh, I'm going to go broke. I'd rather give it to you than anybody else, so here, take it. I love that. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Let's assume that you're not at a low-stakes game and that you find yourself in either a higher-stakes game or a real big-money tournament. What are your tips for playing against hyper-aggressive players of today? What I do is I, I – Look, I look at their um, uh, their record. I try to know who I'm playing with. I try to know if they if they're on a winning streak. Uh, if they if they won a recent tournament or two, they're uh, what I call hot players. Now, if they were hot yesterday, they'd allowed to be hot today. So you try to again pick the losers and pick the winners. The same as I told you before in raising the table. Uh, you try to pick up their patterns. You try to pick up, well, you, you call it tells or tendencies or, or MOs, method of operation, whatever it is. But best tip I could give you when you're playing with, uh, playing in a tournament, if you can't raise, you can't call. Well, now, you just took that from me. Did you know that one of my mottos is, if you can't raise, don't call? Did you that's know that? I'm, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I, I'll give it to you that you invented it, but I learned it from you. And I've, I've been using it now for 80 years, but I'll give you credit for it. <laughs> well, you know, I say nothing has ever been created or destroyed. It just simply is refiltered through us anyway. 
that's probably true. Yeah, well, you know, when when you and I were writing for Poker Digest back in, I started in 1996. For June Fields? That's absolutely right. I started with June Fields. I saw her first issue of Poker Digest when Scotty Wynn was on the cover in 1996 after he won the World Series of Poker Main Event Championship. And I was just in the process of sending a letter to Linda Johnson at Card Player Magazine for a column for beginners. And I saw the first issue of Poker Digest. I read June Fields' editorial. And there was something very, very open and charming about that. And it was the newness of it. And I thought, well, you know, it would be kind of fun to be in this smaller pond. It's easier to be a, a, a big fish in a small pond than it is to be a big fish in a really huge pond. And Card Player is such a huge magazine. Well, and you so know that June, June started a Card Player coming down out of the stand. Saladas cough from the poker player. That June was the originator of the card player. Yep, I know that, and and I I don't think people uh, many people know that June Field and and her husband Feel Field Feel Field. Yeah. I always thought wonderful wonderful people. I, I I'm also on the cover of both of the, I've been on the cover of all those, but uh, but I'm getting too old now, and the kids nowadays don't don't know who I am, but I. I, I had heard that there was a game at the Bellagio that I could play, which was seven-card stud, and I'd been invited to it. And it plays only on Friday nights at 6 o'clock, and it's a 20-40 stud game. I've been invited by two or three people. I hadn't been there in years, but last Friday night I went back. Yeah? Tell me. Of course, I had, my, I had my cowboy hat on. Uh-huh. And I'll be damned if I wasn't recognized by uh, a lot of those old dealers and is that Johnny? Is that Johnny? Isn't that fun? <laughs> most of them think I, most of them think I'm dead. Well, let me tell you what you have taught our people. You've taught my people a lot today. I believe that that just this simple rate your table that is absolutely astonishing because that's you have put it in a way and said it in a way. That is so clear. I, I talk about sitting down and, and profiling your table, but I love the way you put it. Rate your table. Give each one of the players a number. You need to be in the top three or four or get your butt up and leave. I want to thank you for that as we close today. And Johnny, would you please come back again for another chat with me? Let me hurry and say one other thing. I've okay, got a new okay. book coming, 65 yes. Ways to Improve Your Life and Your Poker Game. Okay, it's and, 65 and Ten of those rules you can't lose. Sixty-five ways to improve your life and your poker game. Well, I tell you what, Johnny, you you be sure that I get a copy of that, and I will absolutely put a, I'll do a review of it and put it on my site. Good. Good. Go okay. visit with you, Donna, and yeah. and of course, I, I, I'm kind of old, but I'm learning this computer stuff. I I could tell you an, an hour long story about me and the computer, but I'll just simply say. There's parts of it I like, and I'm also two generations ahead of myself. I'm creating a, a charity in the seniors' homes. Yes, yes, and I want to. I do want to talk about that before we leave. You have your site, seniorscharities.org. Seniorscharities.org. I'm, I'm going to get that in. Yes, I was, and I want people to go there because that is a beautiful site. Tell me about more. You're creating a charity in homes. No, in the senior citizens' homes. Nowadays, if you've ever been to one of them and you go in their recreation room, you'll see them playing checkers and dominoes and, and some of the old games. 
Right. I'm going to get with a computer manufacturer. I'm two generations ahead of myself, Donna, but two generations from now, these younger kids are going to be in those old homes, and when they go to that rec room, they're going to want to be playing poker on the site. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get uh, get one of these, uh, like Apple or somebody, to contribute to computers to the homes, and then I'm going to uh, have a software program uh, locally so that they put a card in and they can play some low-limit poker in, in the senior citizens' homes. Now, now I'm I'm uh, I'm not ever going to go to one of them because my wife takes care of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, listen, I love it, Johnny. You have been absolutely a breath of fresh air. I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights, your wisdom. I just want to have one more time. I want you to promise me that you'll come on again to Donna's Poker Chats. Sure. Why don't you give me a call when you want me? I will do that. Well, I'm just going to be calling you all the time. Johnny, this is Oklahoma Johnny Hale, and I am Donna Blevins, the big girl of poker and your poker mindset mindset coach, and this is Donna's Poker Chat. See you next time. <laughs>